Good morning, everybody. You're tuning into the news and morning mixtape. It is Monday, April 10th, and I'm your host, Mariana Schwitze, reporting for CJRU, 1280 AM in Toronto. And here are our top stories from today. Over 100,000 customers still without power in Quebec after ice storm. In Ottawa, 11 people suffered carbon monoxide poisoning after using barbecue indoors. In international news, China sends dozens of warplanes towards Taiwan as U.S. urges restraint amid military drills. And for a quick weather update, many regions in Canada expecting over 20 degree weather this week. And then we'll hear from Samina with an interesting book recommendation. So let's get to the news. Last week's blackout caused by deadly ice storm left Quebec residents restocking on food and searching for alternative accommodations. Hydro-Quebec said about 122,000 customers remained with no power as of midnight Sunday after the storm sent ice-laden branches crashing down onto power lines, streets, and cars. According to the Canadian press, the utility and provincial officials said efforts to restore power will continue, though at a slower pace, now that the largest outages have been resolved and the remaining ones mostly lie in less accessible areas. Yesterday, some grocery stores were also allowed by the province to remain open on Easter Sunday, a statutory holiday, to help residents running low on food after the blackout. Residents of the regions affected have been struggling with no power for over 48 hours. A lot of them are unable to store food in the refrigerator and have lost everything, according to the Canadian press. Earlier on Saturday, Hydro-Quebec officials laid out reasons why repairs were expected to slow down in coming days. Maxime Nadeau, the Utilities Director of Energy System Control, said at the morning news conference that now that the bulkier part of the distribution has been restored, they're working on smaller outages, which only regain power to a smaller number of customers. Nadeau said some of the roughly 3,000 remaining outages are in hard-to-access areas, or are trickier to resolve, which will also slow down the progress. According to the Canadian press, more than a million people were without power at the peak of the outages causes caused by Wednesday's storm, which left large swaths of southern Quebec in eastern Ontario under a coat of ice. Moving on, in Ottawa, 11 people from one family were hospitalized when they fired up a charcoal barbecue inside a Nepine home. Nicholas DeFazio, Otaya Fire Service Public Information Officer, said that when the crews arrived at the Arnold Drive Row House around 7.30 a.m. this Friday, they detected CO levels at 180 parts per million. The power was out, DeFazio said, and the family was using the grill for heat on the second floor. He said they were experiencing symptoms related to carbon monoxide poisoning and called 911 themselves. The city of Ottawa, which is handling media inquiries about the incident on behalf of paramedics, said the 11 people received medical attention and are in stable condition. Wednesday's freezing rain that left thousands of people without power in Ontario and Quebec had left many people using alternative heating sources. According to the Canadian press, the storm is being blamed for three deaths in the two affected provinces so far, with the most recent being a 75-year-old man in Saint-Joseph-du-Lac, Quebec, who died from carbon monoxide poisoning after running a generator in his garage. As of Saturday afternoon, the local Montreal Health Authority said it had evaluated 135 people in connection with carbon monoxide poisoning, of which 102 people had to be taken to the hospital. In international news, China sent dozens of warplanes towards 
Taiwan for a second day of military drills on Sunday, launching simulated attacks in retaliation to the island's president, Tsai Ing-wen, meeting the U.S. House Speaker during a brief visit to the United States. Taiwan's defense ministry said it was monitoring the movements of Chao's missile forces, as is the United States. According to The Guardian, China's People's Liberation Army, PLA, sent 70 warplanes, including fighter jets, reconnaissance crafts, and refuelers into Taiwan's air defense identification zone on Sunday morning. Taiwan's defense ministry hasn't yet provided a map of locations, but said 31 planes had crossed the median line, the de facto border in the Taiwan Strait between Taiwan and China. The PLA had announced the immediate start to three days of drills on Saturday morning. By 7 p.m. that evening, it had sent 71 warplanes and eight ships into Taiwan's air defense identification zone, with almost 60 crossing the median line. Taiwan's ministry said the activity had severely violated Indo-Pacific peace and stability and had negative effect on international security and economies. It urged other countries to speak out against China's actions. And back in Canada, multiple regions in the country can expect 20-plus weather this week, including southern Alberta and Saskatchewan, as well as in southern Ontario. Recent reports from the Weather Network said warmer-than-normal temperatures are in the forecast for nearly every region in Canada at some point in the coming days, as a ridge of high pressure crosses the country. Toronto could also be seeing record-breaking temperatures. According to Environment and Climate Change Canada, regions of southern Ontario, including Windsor, London, Toronto, Kitchener, and more, will experience a southern westerly flow on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. That is expected to send temperatures soaring up to 27 degrees, the agency says. Most of the province will see clear skies and sun for the majority of the week, with a low chance of showers in a few regions around the Toronto area on Wednesday. In Toronto, the week is set to kick off with a forecasted 18 Celsius on Monday and get increasingly warm from that point on. Thursday is expected to be the warmest day of the week, with temperatures that could reach 25 Celsius degrees in the city, 10 degrees warmer than the historical average for the day. The city's low for the week is forecasted at 5, de 5 to 7 degrees Celsius overnight on Monday. Well, that was it from me today, and now I'll leave you with Samina for her segment, Turn the Page. Hello listeners, welcome to Turn the Page. My name is Samina. Each week I'm going to make a book recommendation and I hope it gets you turning the pages. Warning, the content in this segment may be distressing to listeners. Discretion is advised. March is Women's History Month. 2022 is the 31st anniversary of the celebration a month to learn about the contributions made by women throughout history and the milestones they've achieved. I've said this before and I'll say it again. Historical fiction was not my favorite genre. Let's be clear, it still isn't my favorite genre, but it's one that I read more often than I would before. Authors like Kate Quinn is one of the reasons. She researches unknown or forgotten women who changed history. Her immense talent for discovering these women and writing unputdownable stories makes it easy to read historical fiction. This book is no different. It is a spy thriller. The title of the book is The Diamond Eye. The author is Kay Quinn. Mila's story starts in 1937 in Kiev. At 16, she became a mother, 
seduced by a much older man who she ends up marrying. A year later, the two separate. Her entire life now revolves around her young son Slavka, her library job, and her dissertation. Mila is a lover of history, hoping to become a historian. She is also trying to get divorced from her reluctant and absent husband, Surgeon Alexei. Her life is thrown into chaos when Hitler invades Ukraine and Russia. An elite shooter, Mila leaves her final year of university and is one of the first people to join the army. She becomes a crucial asset in the Red Army's fight to defend their country. She quickly rises through the ranks and is known as Lady Red. Years later, Mila finds herself in Washington, D.C. She is traumatized and devastated by the war. There, she meets First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt, who sees her courage, skill, intelligence, and takes Mila under her wing. This book has chapters from the perspectives of both women. We learn about Mila's time as a soldier and her press tour in 1942, thanks to the First Lady. This story is based on Lyudmila Mila Pavlchenko, a Soviet sniper. Kate really brought her to life. Mila was one of the first female snipers in the army. She saved the lives of hundreds of people. Can you believe we haven't heard about this woman? Let's get started. If you enjoyed this book and want to share your thoughts or make a recommendation, please find us on Instagram at CGRU1280. Thank you for listening. Happy reading. With this, let's wrap up our news for this morning. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I will be back next week with some more news and morning mixtape. But until then, tune in tomorrow for more. It's CJRU 1280 AM in Toronto. I'm Adriana Schwitze. Thanks for listening.